Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. I have a special guest with me today that I'm very excited to share with you. His name is Brian Johnson. Without further ado, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about Brian Johnson. Um, he is a lover of wisdom, and he loves helping people, helping people optimize their lives um, so that we can all change the world together. Um, what I have found with Brian is that he has he's studied, embodied, and he teaches the fundamentals of optimal living, integrating ancient wisdom, uh, modern science, and common sense, along with virtue, mastery, and fun. He created the Philosopher's Notes in Optimal Living 101 and Entheos. He wrote a little book called A Philosopher's Notes, and he was featured in the documentary Finding Joe. And um, he has an Optimal Living column in Experience Life magazine. Brian has done some other really big stuff in his past life. He raised $8 million to finance the creation of uh, uh, E-T-E-A-N-Z plus um, Z-A-A-D-Z which was sold to Active and Guyam. And he graduated, that, that was all after graduating Phi Beta Kappa from UCLA, where he studied psychology and business. And boy, when you listen to Brian's uh, philosopher's notes or watch him sketching things out on that uh, whiteboard or chalkboard, you know that this man totally understands both psychology and business. So I welcome wholeheartedly my guest today, Brian Johnson. Welcome, Brian. Well, thank you for that wonderful introduction, Gina, and uh, I'm thrilled to chat. Thanks for being here. We, um, as you know, are people that talk about uh, anxiety, and we try to talk about it in the way that we are moving out of it, um, how we can turn our lives into lives that we love living and um, have the anxiety become uh, a part of our past. You know, we all 
get in there different ways, stress, hormonally. The list goes on on how we enter an anxiety panic state that doesn't go away quickly. But uh, when the way to come out is uh, multifaceted. And so today I'm hoping that you can shed some light on uh, what you know about anxiety and stress. And I know you know a lot about it. So What's your opening words about stress and anxiety? Yeah, my opening words about stress and anxiety, and I'd throw depression in there as well for me, is I know it very well from a, a first-person perspective. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and I just used to be really up and down in my life um, in terms of, you know, being super inspired and not inspired and also really anxious in general. I mean, I was I was a super shy, reserved kid. I used to bring an extra t-shirt to school in high school because I would sweat through my first one by the second or third period you know just a lot of a lot of anxiety and um just you know timid and and afraid of the world in a lot of ways also really you know passionate about different things but uh I, I know what it's like to feel anxiety and it's been you know a process for me over the last really 20 years now to systematically build what I like to call the scaffolding in my life so that I just can't mm-hmm. fall down as low as I used to. Of course, we all have stress and, and um, uh, it, I, don't, I don't have the anxiety like I used to actually. It, it's, it's, uh, I've learned some things to help me stay solid and then to channel yeah. that energy when it arises into a more pure state of enthusiasm. I'm obviously amped up and I'm challenged, um, but to channel that in ways that are more constructive for me, which i I imagine we'll get a chance to talk about. Um, yeah. You know, it's been a big part of my life. Very good. Yes, I love that building of the scaffolding, Brian, because we all, um, even when we come out of having uh, anxiety panic, which is that state that you might end up in the doctor's office over, like, help, what is this thing? Um, when we moved out of it, I try to make sure people understand that doesn't mean we don't have anxious moments. I tell people my anxiety, I had more anxiety-provoking things happen to me after I had cleared my my anxious state, um, but I knew how to handle it. And I guess in your words, that would have been that I had built some scaffolding. So if I did slip and fall, I didn't go down so far. I had something to hold on to and hold me up. So I love that. I love. And tell me uh, some of the ideas of how we might build that scaffolding. Well, for, for me, in my experience and in the, the work that I've done in my own life and, and studying, I think it all starts with the fundamentals. I think that if we don't have the basic human physiological fundamentals in place, eating well, moving consistently, and sleeping enough, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have a tough time. I mean, we're just not going to be in the position physiologically to deal with life's challenges. Um, so for me, that was the most fundamental thing. I used to not eat well. I used to move rarely, and I didn't sleep regularly. And now mm-hmm. you couldn't pay me to not do those things. And for me, my number one thing is sleep. If I want to trigger yeah. stress in my life, just cut an hour or two of sleep off of my my night. And I'm a different human being. And I've, I've yeah, you know, I've I've live a pretty systematized and and rigorous life. Uh, and when I when I don't do the certain things that I've committed to doing, even for a night, I I'm, I can I can feel the subtle differences, and I, I refuse to go um, too far down that path. But that's that's really the cornerstone of my work and my teaching is master the fundamentals, get really good at being consistent, and make the connection. This is what all you know 
my favorite research on the the science of health uh, motivation and behaviors, Michelle Seeger, one of the leading thinkers in that regard, um, mm-hmm. talks about you got to make the connection. This isn't an abstract thing. You've got to know that when you get eight hours of sleep, you're able to deal with your stress this way. If you get six or whatever hours of sleep, that's how you deal with stress. And then when we make that very simple connection, we need to take this step further and uh, make those new habits non-negotiable. Um, and again, of course, that goes with exercise and with nutrition as well from my perspective. Um, that's where I start. And then there's a lot of other things. But that's that's the the primary foundational um, side of, of how I've really conquered that depression and anxiety in my life and what I encourage others to think about. Have you tried one skin for your skincare routine yet? I love the simplicity of these products and the medical grade ingredients in them, not to mention how easily they fit into my skincare routine. The OS1 Face Moisturizer and OS1 Eye Cream make skin look visibly smoother and clearer and immediately feel softer and more hydrated. The secret is One Skin's proprietary OS1 peptide. It's the first ingredient proven to switch off the aging cells that cause lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin, and several studies back it up. So if you're tired of cycling through ineffective skincare trends and overcomplicated routines, then I'm so excited to share with you One Skin, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. OneSkin is the world's first longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ACP at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ACP. After your purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Being also a nutritionist, you know, I'm loving that eating piece. And uh, the interesting thing is, it's not always, the eating part is not always what you think it is. <laughs> you know, there is a lot of controversial ideas about food out there. And so the bottom line is finding what works for you and your particular body type and your lifestyle. So, um, you know, it can mean a little bit of testing things here and there. And it does take a little bit of time, but it's um, it's well worth the effort. And the moving piece, again, it's individual, like trying to have people be 
be runners who who would much rather just dance. <laughs> you know, it could be it could be counterproductive. So we want to find what works for us, and then it makes it that much easier. And then the sleeping piece, I uh, I've often told people that. One of the, um, I, what if I told you I had a medication that would help you, but it took eight hours to do it, right? And that's the sleep. It isn't a pill, but it, if you can get in it, because most people don't, I'm shocked to learn that most people don't even sleep anywhere near eight hours, which is surprising to me because I need eight or nine um, for a good night. And uh, so I think that people have cut themselves short on all three of those those basics that you talk about. So that's a great place um, for everyone listening to start. Maybe start looking into your food, your movement, and your sleep habits. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, it's, yeah. Uh, and yeah, there's obviously a ton of different approaches nutritionally. I think it's not a little experimentation. I think it's a ton of experimentation, you know, and, and yeah. the belief that you can, that you can figure it out. I mean, ultimately, you can. that's in terms of conquering anxiety. That's, has to be the starting place. If I can, I can solve this. Um, and hope is another big aspect of, of, uh, of my work and the obvious nature of, of, um, how to deal with anxiety. But, uh, yeah, and then the movement, I mean, yes, of course, we all need to find the movement styles that, that work for us. But I love Tal Ben-Shahar, who taught the largest class in Harvard's history, who said, look, not exercising is like taking a depressant. And in my work, I, I stress that point. Well, you know, if you're not moving your body uh, rigorously, you know, if you, even if it's just, just walking quickly, but our bodies evolved yeah. to move. And if you're not doing that, when you take your vitamins in the morning, imagine you're taking a depressant. Because that's wow. the, the physiological effect of not consistently moving your body. And that's, that's another one of my huge things. You, you literally couldn't pay me to not move consistently. And it, like to your point, it doesn't need to be crazy, but figure out what works for you um, right. and do that. Then, of course, recover properly and prioritize that you want to master uh, yourself and optimize your life more than you want to be entertained. The reality is the reason why people aren't getting a good night of sleep for most people not all, but most people is they they have valued entertainment higher than their well being and their and their flourishing. And we just right. need to be again, I think, clear on that and honest with it and then turn off the T V or the internet or whatever. Uh, yeah. give ourselves an opportunity to um to really recover. Uh and uh experience all that's possible in life, right? Yeah, and I know we say it on here all the time, but you got to turn those screens off at a reasonable time unless you're wearing, you know, the the shooter's yellow glasses or you have um uh, f.lux on your computer or phone or whatever. But even then, it's, you know, it's changing the lighting a little bit, but we also have to let our mind settle down and rest and jumping into bed after well, flickering screens is not a good plan and I uh, you know many people that I work with are waking up in the middle of the night this is a big issue with the, and they're having anxiety and stress and maybe even a panic attack and their favorite thing to reach for is to pick their phone up which is right by their bed and watch something and it's a really hard habit to have them break but they notice a huge yeah. difference yeah. when they stop putting that screen on in the middle of the night. Even to read a book, don't turn the light on to do that. You know, we teach a lot of different things you can do just laying in your bed. Um, 
and and getting beyond it because what they're doing is just adding more fuel to the fire. No question. Oh. I mean, it, with anxiety, man, it's just obviously the overactive mind and anything we can do to quiet our minds. Um, not it, Absolutely. I mean, right before we go to bed is not just the light, as you said, but it's the stimulation. And create that mm. buffer zone is what all the great sleep researchers call it. And, um, yeah, it's just a true sanctuary where that's all you're doing. Um, yeah, it's big. And that's, I think, a big part of, of – uh, the next stage of just the mental training too, you know, of actually practicing. If you want to sleep better at night, meditate in the morning. That's that's one of the most powerful yeah. ways you can get good at. at in, I taught a class called Optimal Sleep 101 recently, and one of the ideas was to be able to flip the off switch. So to get really good at being able to turn your mind off, and I didn't used to be able to do this at all. My mind would constantly race every which way, and um, it's been a very systematic pro- process over the last decade plus, but it's been so fun to practice that, not just in a meditation practice um, for me every morning, mm-hmm. um, but also every time I find it in a little way, when I find my mind mm-hmm. slip into little, little whatever pattern, bring it back and discipline it in that moment and for me, that's been such a huge thing to to build that strength so that when the really stressful things come, I'm not trying to pull on a resource that I haven't cultivated, like trying to run a marathon after not uh, ever training. But I've trained right. enough that, that I can flip that off switch and, and um, challenge those negative thoughts and do all the other things we need to do to, to maintain a positive outlook, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And it is a training consistency is important. Once you make that connection early on, then that consistency of actually doing it over and over again because often people are looking for the answer when they're in a panic attack because that's when we're looking for help, right? Um, but And then they, we forget as we calm down or back into a regular better day, we think everything's fine. They stop things like eating right, moving, sleeping, uh, doing our meditation practice. And it is doing those things over and over without seeing any big results. But they are so minute that they build on each other that when, like Brian just said, when you come up with those, um, a big thing happens. You are stressed in a big way. You actually can turn the switch off you can turn the mind into a different direction so but only through practice so it's important to keep that in mind i wonder if you can share with us a couple of ideas on um quieting the mind what are some favorite things that you've come across with all this reading you have done well from my perspective there's from my perspective there's no question that meditation is the is the top way to do it. I mean, if you're going to go to the gym or go on a run or go dancing, if that's your thing to train your body, meditation is like doing that for your mind. So when I used to be anxious, my mind again would be out of control. So when I sit down for meditation, I've missed one day in the last eight years, um, which is a whole nother conversation. It was a very, that actually provoked some anxiety for me. Like, oh my gosh, I forgot to meditate yesterday. Uh, <laughs> I quickly moved through the stages of grief that I broke my streak. <laughs> Uh, but it's been years since that happened, and, and it's, I've had different practices over the years, but now it's 20 minutes every morning. First thing I do after I wake up and do my morning stuff is I sit. And the act of anchoring your mind to your breath, a mantra, a prayer, whatever it is that inspires you, and when mm-hmm. it slips, which of course it will, bringing it back, bringing it back, that, 
that practice, I can't even remember what my mind was like um, 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's so yeah. exciting to just, as you said, it's repetition by repetition by repetition. We're literally rewiring our brains and we're sculpting our minds such that we have the ability to bring our attention back. And for me, that systematic, ritualistic, repetitive um, training has been the number one thing. And, and uh, that's where I start. And then going through the day, as I said, that's it's every moment is an opportunity to practice. And it's the tiniest, most mundane things of, wow, I, I found myself getting a little bit frustrated with the person who cut me off on the freeway. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Notice that you're cultivating that ability in your meditation practice and, and choose an optimal response with those tiny mundane things. And when that becomes the new habit, um, then the challenges we inevitably face aren't, you know, as painful, they become fuel for us to practice these ideals, uh, and we just have that that confidence in ourselves and trust in ourselves. We can handle whatever life throws at us. Yes, yes, because we can handle whatever life throws us, and we all prove that over and over and over again. Yeah, that's the what, that's the game. What I'm what I find people can't handle is the anxiety because the future is not here. We cannot. We can't work on it. That's the thing that's stressing everybody yes. out. It's the what ifs, what if, what if. Right. But if you don't have the capacity to, again, this is attention, all scientists will agree, that's the number one attribute to happiness and well-being. And when I read stuff like that, I take it seriously, then I, I do something about it and want to, especially when you're talking about, you know, having been through and moving through that place of being uh, anxious to being in control of our mental and emotional states, uh, that, that's, that's exciting. And to, to see that power and then, of course, decide what you want and then decide what you're going to need to do in order to experience that consistently, um, <laughs> go do it. Like that's, that's, that's the exhilarating thing. And to your point it from before, it isn't about the state experience. In that state, well, okay, it's kind of, as they say, the championships are won not that day but in all the practice sessions that went in before and that's an obvious truism but it's it's true for our lives and i think really making that connection and then doing the work is uh yeah where it's at yeah that's yeah that's exactly it i love that uh looking at it in the sports kind of world because people will get that it is through the practice that the game is won so um I, I want to talk a little bit about um, channeling the energy because, uh, but before I let you get into that, I what I want to say is out in the world, I can see where you have channeled a lot of your energy and it's amazing. So I was hoping that you could, in this little in-between part here, you could tell my listeners about Philosopher's Notes, about Optimal Living Program, because I find it so hugely valuable. I have been a part of um, the um, whatever. Yeah, I guess it's the Optimal Living Program. Is that the the site where we go and we get all the notes and? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I've been a part of that since the early days of it, and absolutely love it. So, uh, would you tell us a little bit about it so they can check it out? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, the basic idea is that I think it's pretty weird that we went from math to science to history, but no one ever taught us how to live. There was never yeah. an Optimal Living 101 class. 
And it's obviously too late to go back and change that. And most of us, all of us, are too busy to read full time to try to catch up. So what I do is is uh, I read a ton, and I read what I consider to be some of the best books on how to optimize your life, from ancient Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and classic Stoic thinking to Nietzsche and Emerson to modern-day positive psychology. And I read the books, and I pull out what I call big ideas, those sections you asterisk and underline um, and mark all up that can really change your life. Like any book has one, five, ten big ideas that can change your life. And I find those, I pull them out, and I put them into a six-page PDF that we call a philosopher's note, and I record that as an MP3 so you can listen to it on the drive to work, whatever, and then I do videos as well. And I try to connect these ideas to other ideas, and then most importantly, help people apply them to their lives today. So that's the philosopher's notes, and then I take the best big ideas from all those books and I create classes on different themes. So I'm going to do one on conquering anxiety 101. Recently did right. one on conquering depression 101, finding your purpose 101, um, habits 101, conquering procrastination 101. I did one with my wife on love 101. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the basic idea is to give more wisdom and less time and to help people optimize their lives so they can actualize their potential. And it, and you do a fabulous job at it. I, you know, I'm not just fluffing you up here. I really, really, really love those. I uh, default to them because in a way that it's maybe other, other uh, members of your program do also, but many of the books I have already read, but, you know, I've moved a number of times. I don't have a lot of the books anymore. And so it's like, it's almost like my own little library with like the yellow highlighting uh -huh. in there. So that they serve me in that way also. And then, of course, there are ones I haven't read that I uh, am thrilled to not go through the entire book, but to see your, your highlights. It's, it's a fabulous, uh, it's a fabulous uh, way to learn. Thank right? you. Yeah, that's exactly the intention. And then also introduce people to books they may want to read and, and go deeper into. Um, yes. Yeah, that's that's the basic idea. And then it's all 10 bucks a month. So I'm all about giving the best to the most for the least. And, uh, yeah, just try to astonish people um, with goodness that helps them to, like I said, optimize and actualize. Yeah, so if you guys, you know, if that's something you're kind of interested in, uh, uh, it, it's a great, it's a great program to check out because it is so upbeat. I mean, everything in there makes you just want to get up in the morning and live your life that much more. So thank you, Brian, for putting those programs out there. <laughs> thank you. I wonder if you can tell us now a little bit about how to channel the energy. Like, like what people might look forward to, like from clearing anxiety and depression or um, any of the other things that come along because um, those are exhausting. Yep. It's exhausting to battle your mind every day, day in, day out. So um, tell me the, how you noticed the difference and, and, what, and how we can look forward to channeling that energy. Yeah. Um, what, what comes to mind is, is the, have you read Kelly McGonigal's Upside of Stress? I don't know if, yes. Yeah. So just that yes. idea that I imagine you guys talk about. But for me, one of the big things was when I used to feel anxiety, and it's kind of graduated down over the years, but I still get nervous, and I still do get nervous before I do mm -hmm. an interview or, or even before I do one of my videos or whatever. And I used to think something was wrong with me, that, wow, when am I going to figure this out? And, mm -hmm. and, uh, that was kind of the dialogue in my head. 
or I try to calm down and, you know, try to physiologically change from a very up state to a very mellow state. And her book really, really inspired me because she came, she presented a phrase and, you know, talked about the research behind it, which was awesome. But basically the, the idea was they brought people into a lab, stressed them out, and then they told them they had to give like a speech in front of a critical panel of judges, and it was going to be filmed, and basically the most stressful thing they could possibly do. And half of the group was told to try to calm down. And the other half of the group was told to say to themselves, I'm excited. And that simple reinterpretation of the physiological response made them perform way better and enjoy the experience way more. And for me, that simple phrase of I'm excited is what I say anytime I feel my nerves rising. And rather Mm -hmm. than saying something's wrong with me and at some point I'm going to figure this out, I say, no, I'm just excited. I really care about this and this is going to be awesome. And that simple phrase has alchemized um, the lingering uh, kind of anxiety, tension into a level of enthusiasm that, look, that's just neutral energy. When we're feeling anxious, we care about something. And if we can see that and then see, which is kind of a second step, right, of, of we're imagining the worst possible outcome. When we're really anxious, we're imagining the worst possible outcome. Right. So seeing, okay, I care about this, and, and can I use that energy as fuel? And then let me just slow down for a second here and pinpoint what it is I think is going to happen. Write that down, and this is something I used to do of, of to, to deal with it. And then, okay, let me see if I can get a slightly more neutral possible outcome yeah. here and move up yeah. that spectrum to I might even be able to figure out, you know, actually this might go this way, and I can yeah. turn that super fearful, anxious state into a state of excitement. Um, and then I, I couple all that with breathing. Obviously, I'm sure you guys talk about just the physiological mm-hmm. impact of, of just slowing down, getting out of that fight or flight, sympathetic response into a pause and plan or a relaxed response via, for me, my count is, which may not be right for everybody, but what I've fallen in love with is inhaling to six, holding for two, and exhaling for eight. And I do that ritualistically every single time I start my meditation for simple five repetitions, every time I take a nap, which is basically every day, and every mm-hmm. night before I go to bed. It's it's that simple rhythmic breathing pattern and trigger myself of, hey, this is how I can flip that off switch uh, physiologically and go from there. So I said a lot, but I'm excited, and then that that outcome being seen in a more positive light and then the physiological complement with the breathing has been a big practice for me. Um, You know, I think some of the listeners, now we all know that breathing techniques are different for everyone, and so I'm just prefacing with that, but I would love for you to explain your breathing technique uh, just in case it's one that might work for some people here because what I like, Brian, is I hear the consistency that you do it before your meditation in the morning, you do it before you take your nap, and you do it before you go to bed. And so it is just when we do that kind of thing over and over again, we're signaling our mind-body that this is when we go down, this is when we rest, we turn the mind off, or calm it down, let the dust settle. So could you share that breathing technique in a little more detail? Absolutely. And then to to go to your prior question, which I didn't really even answer, on the benefits I've experienced, I can now turn my brain off in five deep breaths like this. And that's awesome. Like that that's just so exciting for me to to know that I have that ability. And of course I get up or I'll get 
um, frustrated or flustered or whatever, but it's really exciting to know that that simple pattern, which I've conditioned through repetition, is there. So just to paint that picture of possible. Um, yeah. But what I do is I inhale to six through my nose. Uh, and uh, usually before I started, I kind of take a clearing breath. Um, but inhale to six through my nose. doesn't need to be precisely six, obviously, but basic count. Mm-hmm. I hold for two. And then I exhale, uh, I vary between my nose and my mouth. Um, different teachers recommend different things um, for six. And I, I press my tongue gently against uh, right behind my teeth, basically, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when I breathe out through my mouth. And that's, a, that's classic. I love peak performance. And I love understanding how to optimize by looking at those who are performing at the highest level. So all the great mental training and toughness coaches who coach athletes and world-class performers or the Navy SEALs, that type of breathing pattern is what they come back to. Um, and I've had members, one guy's a Broadway performer who started doing that breath pattern um, after one of the notes where I talked about it. And, and it's a powerful thing. So um, that's the basic idea. I, I do five of those, um, and I kind of systematically count them off start with my hand kind of open and as I do one uh, do one and I do the second one I touch my pointer finger to my thumb I do the third mm-hmm. I touch my middle finger my fourth and then my fifth with the pinky finger and there's kind of a just an anchoring to um, mm-hmm. now's the time to, to relax and to to enter a different mental and physiological state and again all the research is unequivocal. Breath is your quickest conduit to um, the relaxation parasympathetic response. Right. Yeah, the research is there, and it's really important to pay attention to, and it's worth the time to, to learn this or to ground, to ground in your own um, pattern uh, because we all breathe differently so but you know it is good to have this what i like brian is that there it's you do the same thing it's like a little set pattern and i even love the the anchoring of the hand like that's important like that just opening the hand and then touching each finger so you to count your five breaths it's another anchor so it's the breath it's your actual sitting it's the timing and next thing you know you're probably sleeping <laughs> or meditating or in a different state you know and again yes totally in another state you can't try that in the middle of a panic attack you have no. to build that it's literally like saying okay go do a triathlon this weekend well if you want to do a triathlon and you're not in shape to do a triathlon obviously the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you had trained for months and perhaps a year plus before. And again, that that very obvious but powerful connection um, is what gets exciting. Very good. Um, before we begin to wind it up, I wonder if you just open it up. Is there anything, what comes to mind to you that my listeners might value about what your research has been on anxiety? Well, I think you, you mentioned I don't know if you used the word hope when you were saying um, something earlier, but I think the science of hope is a really beautiful thing. And a guy named Shane Lopez, who is one of the world's leading researchers on hope, articulates it so beautifully. And, and this idea that, that he says there are three components. You need to, hope essentially is believing that tomorrow is going to be better than today. And mm-hmm. when we are drowning in, in a lot of anxiety, we've lost a lot of that hope, and there's a hopelessness to it, and we've allowed the negative expectations to crowd out the positive. 
So cultivating the ability to to practice hope, I think, is a huge thing. And his his model has three components. This idea of having a vision for your future, a goal that has meaning for you, and then believing that you have the agency, the power to make that goal come to fruition, and yeah. then the willingness to explore multiple pathways that you're almost certainly not going to get to your goal on your first pass or on your first idea of how it should happen. And when you have that attitude with the agency, the belief you can, you can, that your behavior matters and the willingness to do whatever it takes to kind of figure it out, then all the things that typically knock us over and stress us out and create anxiety don't need to do that because we see, wow, okay, that's just life happening. I know where I want to go. I believe I can get there and I'm willing to take different paths. That's been a really big aspect for me and um, moving from the fragile sense of everything has to go the way I want it to go or I'm not okay to Nassim Taleb's anti-fragile state where he literally says, okay, if you're fragile, something bad happens, you break. If you're robust, something bad happens and you're able to withstand it longer. But what about if you're anti-fragile? If you're anti-fragile, the opposite of fragile, something hard happens not only do you not break, not only can you withstand it for a while, you actually get stronger. That's the opposite of fragile. And for yeah. me, that's where my life, that, that's the compass for me. I'm not trying to be less fragile or robust. I'm trying to get stronger with every challenge. And he says yeah. that the wind, a challenge, will extinguish the candle and fuel the fire. So we just need mm-hmm. to have that, that passionate approach to life where the challenge is we say bring it on. We're not trying to avoid them. We know we have what it takes. We're going to get a little bit better day in and day out and uh, getting all fired up here. But that's a... Uh, yeah, no, that's beautiful. That's what we do here yeah. with the anxiety. We, you know, we, we get to a certain state where we do say, okay, come along, bring it on. You're here, you're with me, let's go. Because that is when we get stronger. And then, yeah. and then the bigger the challenge, the bigger the opportunity to to uh, to display what we're capable of. I mean, that's the hero's journey. You want to have a great hero's journey. You're not sidestepping lizards. You're battling dragons. And, you know, when we can bring that, that sense of, of empowerment and then connect it to a purpose that's bigger than us, um, we can really embrace uh, life, I think, with that healthy enthusiasm and, and uh confident humility to to be able to approach things um with more and more grace and power beautiful beautiful well i i thank you so much for being here brian today and i i think what you've done is you have brought a lot of hope into uh the anxiety coaches podcast and i you know we talk a lot here about hope and belief and our self-care and you've 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 talk to us about a multitude of ways that we can do those things and again with with connection and uh, consistency so I hope that people heard the hero's journey I hope you hear that because there's something inside us that stands up a little bit taller when we look at our life as living a hero's journey versus this is all happening to me so um, Brian, thank you for being our guest today and for uh, lighting a, a new path maybe for some people and uh, sharing the wonderful work that you are doing out there online. I hope people visit your uh, website. I will put it in the show notes so people can get there easily. And um, maybe someday we have you back, Brian. 
What do you think? Well, thanks for having me, Gina. I appreciate all the work that you're doing. And um, yes, here's to to uh, all that you're up to and conquering anxiety and living life fully. Thank you. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com.